You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself, and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 259 of The Big Show. Some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? It's Sunday. Or if you're listening to this on Monday, the commute. Back at or back to work. Regardless, welcome. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. Um, I want to start off, first of all, just by saying... Um, I really want to thank everybody for the positive feedback on uh, la- on Wednesday's episode. My interview with Sean Penn um, was really well received. Did really well. Um, I know I talked to Sean after. Um, he was he was really happy with the finished product, and um, yeah, and uh, it was cool. Like I said, I think people were just finally oh, finally interviewed a player again. Um, yeah, and like I said, a lot of fun to talk to. Um, in the interview, I had talked about the fight DVD that I was going to upload. Um, I'm actually recording Saturday night at eight o'clock right now. Um, I just finished uploading it this afternoon onto the file transfer site. So I will put a link up on my Facebook page and on Twitter. That's fourth line voice on Twitter, as well as on Facebook. Um, you know, I mean, it's just for the, for the Facebook page. Yeah. I mean, you know, if we friends or, you know, whatever you can just, I mean, even if you're, you know, whatever, just click on the link. Um, yeah, and you can just download it and open it up. And uh, I, I like to use VLC Media Player myself. And uh, I don't know how, I can't remember how long it is, about an hour and a half or so. But yeah, it goes, it's all chronological. I mean, obviously it doesn't have every fight of his career, but I mean, it's got a good chunk of it. I mean, if you watch it, you'll get a good idea of what kind of fighter he is, obviously. It's got, you know, a lot of fights on it. So, and a lot of the ones that we talked about in the interview are on the DVD. So I think you'll, you know, you folks will really enjoy it. Um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's just cool. And like I said, uh, fun fighter to watch and, uh, you know, big dude through both hands. And, uh, yeah, I think you'll dig it. So yeah, definitely download the link. Um, yeah, other than that, uh, like I said, this is episode 259. So other than the pen interview, there's plenty of, uh, 
uh, interviews to go back and and um, and and visit. Um, you know, McIntyre, Morasti, uh, Dean Mayrad, uh, Joey Tedarenko, Clark Wilm, Volpat, uh, Tristan Grant, Adam Huxley. You know, Colt King, Zach Fitzgerald, on and on. Um, yeah, and uh, and like I said, with all the player interviews, I'm, all, I'm I'm proud of the interviews I've done, and uh, and I think they're they're fairly comprehensive, and uh, I think you get a really good feel and understanding of the, of the player and his career. Um, you know, I mean, obviously a lot of people listen, they already know who he is, you know, obviously, but I think there, there has been times I've interviewed guys and it's no disrespect to the guys, but I've had people tell me, I, I don't, I don't really remember them or especially if they, for like the younger listeners, um, you know, and you're talking to a guy that played back in maybe the eighties, early nineties. Um, a lot of, some of these guys weren't even, you know, a lot of these listeners weren't even born yet. Um, so they just look at hockey DB and maybe there's a couple fights on YouTube. So they don't really know anything about the guy. Um, but, you know, after they listen, you know, you get a feel for his career and his teammates. And, you know, when you start kind of, it's like a puzzle, right? You start putting it together and you have to start, it's like a biography, right? So, yeah, I so I encourage that. And I always say, like, yeah, just because you don't maybe know the guy, tune in. He'll he'll say a name that you know. But, like I said, the boys all have good stories, too. So, uh yeah, I don't know. It's nothing wrong with learning about learning something. It's he might have retired thirty years ago, but it's new to you, right? So, um, but yeah, they always share some crazy stories, and uh, yeah. So I, like I said, I always encourage everybody to go back and check out the back catalog. But uh, yeah, folks, what are we going to talk about today? Um, actually, it was funny. Somebody uh, had put a meme up and sent it to me, um, and it was just something. It was just uh, the guy put. Uh, you're listening to a podcast that 40 minutes in, the guy finally says, okay, well, let's just dive right in here. And I was like, yeah, I could completely relate to that. Yeah, I've, I've been known to uh, circle the drain for a while. Um, what was, what's the other thing I always say? Um, oh, yeah, I'm not going to talk long today. And then it ends up being an hour and a half. Um, but I actually probably won't talk too long today. Um, like I said, 8 o'clock at night here on Saturday. Um, to be completely honest, not feeling that great. It's, we kind of got the sick household going here. My wife's, actually, my wife's been basically sick for like five weeks, um, with an assortment of different things. But, uh, finally actually kind of came to a head here last week, kind of got the ear infection and, uh, and all that stuff. So it's not going really, and well, she's got to do report cards too. So yeah, good, good times around the pad here. So, uh, but, uh, and it's snowing out, I think. So right on. Um, Yes. Ah, oh, brutal cold here. Start November. Oof. It's like minus 35 the other morning. It's like, seriously, early November, it's already minus 35. Come on now. You know, so, but I'm sure you tuned in to hear about Saskatchewan weather. Um, winter is here for sure, though. That's for sure. Um, but let's get into episode 259 here. Um, well, where's my list here? What am I going to talk about today? Actually, I don't have that much to talk about, but... Um, you know, we had a, you know, we have a, a, a banner raising a Jersey retirement that caused a, a bit of a kerfuffle. Um, I got to do it. I'm doing a player spotlight. I have a couple sound bites from Ted Irvin that I want to share. Um, they're not very long, but they're a little interesting and, uh, um, kind of a, a, a player spotlight on Dodie Wood. And, uh, yeah, and a kind of a, and a special list at the end that we will do. Um, but first, before we, you know, we'll, uh, you know, there's a few people I want to, a few things I want to talk about and share with you guys, uh, and a few other, and some folks and some friends that I want to talk to you guys about. Um, 
Well, as I always say, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows on the network. All the NHL teams have podcasts. Um, so whatever team you're a fan of, um, there are probably multiple shows that you could tune into about the team that you're a fan of. So definitely give those a, a listen. And uh, obviously for my off-network friends, uh, i got Alec over there at the Five for Fighting podcast. Uh, between his work and everything else, um, episode's a little sparse lately. Um I know he and I, I know he still wants to get a hold of me and we were going to, I thought it was going to be today actually, but uh, I know he needs some sound bites from me. So um, actually, I, I'm really looking forward to that episode. Um, I know he's recorded a little bit of it and I uh, just put the pieces together for the, for the, for the final bit. So it should be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, but he does have a tremendous back catalog in the meantime, Rob Ray, by Lois, Segroy, Yablonski. Check it out. Does a great job. Also. Well, and I've had him on the show a couple times, Harrison Harper, uh, of course, with the project. If you're looking for something a little different, um, I know I haven't, uh, unfortunately, and you know what, and I should promote his show more, and I don't, and I feel bad about that, but I've been on his show, maybe that's, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't promote it, and so that tells you the level of guests he's looking for, but uh, no, he's a former player, played in the SPHL, uh, Western Hockey League, and Junior, and then the Maritime League. And he's a unique individual. Like I said, I've had him on a couple times. And um, I always just enjoy talking to him. But like I said, he's a young kid. So, um, you know, obviously we come from different generations. Which, God, that sounds so old, but it's true. Um, but um, I am old. I, gotta, I guess i got to face that. But, uh, yeah, he's. But his show is interesting. And it's, for, it's funny, for being a, a former hockey player, he doesn't really talk about hockey that much. He did a little bit. But, I don't know, he always, he always finds some goofy shit to... That happens to him, and yeah, which is probably funny to me because I can somewhat relate to it, and uh, yeah, but he's an interesting cat. I enjoy Harrison, so um, definitely check out his show. And uh, and as far as YouTube goes, like I said, of course the the Five for Fighting YouTube channel, which got shut down by the East Coast Hockey League. Alec is getting off the mat. He's making a big comeback. He's started a new channel. Um, so back to square one. So if you could, uh, five for fighting podcast and, uh, yeah, just hit the subscribe button and we'll, and right now he's, he's putting a few unique things up. He's actually gotten some video that fans have sent him and, uh, he has uploaded that and, uh, yeah, rebuild. So definitely, uh, go give that a listen or a watch. And you know what? And I was scrolling last night. As I was sitting in my big chair at about 1.30 in the morning, wife was upstairs in bed snoring and sick. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of trying to stay away, right, because I don't want to get sick. But uh, so I was down in the basement with the blanket and the lights are all off. I'm watching the big TV and, um, you know, it's smart, you know, going through the YouTube channels. And um, and I came to Jay's channel and I and I realized, you know what, I don't promote his YouTube channel. All these All these episodes, and I've never actually mentioned his YouTube channel, which is like... Brutal on my part. I can't, and you know, he's not going to say anything, but yeah, I want to apologize for that. I should have been talking about his channel. Um, his channel is, uh, D, like the letter D, skunk, just how S K U N K, D skunk, all one word. And, uh, yeah, and he's only like 200 and some subscribers. It's like, yeah, let's, come on, guys. It's, um, well, it's not your guys' fault. I've never promoted his show. Um, I feel bad that I've never done that. Um, but he uh, he puts up this year. He's putting up the uh, SPHL fights. But he has done this for years. And if you go back on his channel, he's got old Central League stuff and old East Coast. And 
um, at old IHL, like not Sean Penn's IHL, but whatever they call the new IHL, um, you know, Reckless and, you know, and all those guys down there at the time. And yeah, and like you got Frank Littlejohn stuff on there and um, right up till yesterday, pretty much. So yeah, definitely go to his channel and hit the subscribe button and go down that rabbit hole. And um, yeah, and I don't, I, yeah, and I, I mean, I knew about his channel. I've been subscribed to it forever and I'm like, why did I never mention it? That was kind of rude of me. Um, yeah, man, sorry. Like I said, I've had Jay on here a bunch of times and, you know, um, yeah, he's a good dude and, you know, and he's always supported my, uh, my podcast and here I'm the asshole not saying anything about his YouTube channel. So yes, let's do that. Skunk, all one word on YouTube, hit the subscribe button and, uh, yeah, you, you can thank me later. Um, for that, uh, for, for getting you to go down that rabbit hole. Believe me, it'll keep you busy. But, um, other than that, um, as I said in the other episode, and I will say it again until he is done fighting, my boy John Searson over in the UK, he is raising money for cancer research and he's doing so by getting into a boxing ring and, uh, and duking it out. So if you want to, I say, let's give some money and let's all see Searson get punched in the face for charity. You know, uh, no, John's a great guy. I've had him on here again a bunch of times. He's, I always say he's my UK correspondent. Um, but he's a good dude and he's doing a great thing here, raising money and he's putting his money. Well, he's, he's putting it, look at this. He's putting his face on the line. You know, he's, he's back in the boxing gym. He's been putting video up of him training and he's, you know, and he's, uh, you know, he's working out strong, working out hard. Look at, I'm waiting to see the meat locker one when he starts punching the, punching the meat. But, uh, yes. Well done, John. Raise some money for charity for the cancer research. Um, just hit Searson up or hit me up and I can send you the link. But John Searson on Facebook as well as on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, follow the link and, uh, let's, let's raise some money for a great cause. But let's get into this. Where are we going to start with here? Um, probably, uh, well, we'll start with, you know, with, with the Chris Neal. Uh, the Ottawa Senators announced that they are going to be retiring uh, Chris Neal's number 25. And, um, of course, it uh, it raised the dander of a few people up because, you know, uh, you know, God forbid we get a goon, a goon jersey retired. And, um, yeah, it, it, it's an interesting topic. I, I, I went back and forth. Um, it was funny. I had like, I, of course on Twitter, they're all crying about it and whatever. And, um, and, and like I said, I, you know, I said, they're, they're raising, uh, the Jersey of a guy who, who played his entire career with one organization. He was a hometown guy, home, homegrown. He's from Ontario, drafted by the senators, came up through their system, uh, ended up playing a thousand games with them. Um, you know, pretty much 1100 games, you include playoffs, uh, you know, went to war every night, bled for the logo, stuck up for the boys. It, uh, to this day still lives in the area, still helps out with the team. I'm not, I don't know if he's employed by the team, but they were talking like he's always around. He's always doing charity stuff. He goes to the camps. He goes to rookie camps, you know, talks to the draft picks. He's, he's, he's stayed and he stayed loyal. He's basically stayed loyal to the team. Which in pro sports, how often does that happen? 
how often does, well, somebody said, what was the stat out of all the guys that have played in the NHL? I believe it is only 35 guys that played a thousand games with one team and Neil's one of them. Um, so you just think of all the, you know, the thousands of NHL players that there have been, he is one of 35 that played a thousand games with one team. So it's a real special thing. And, um, you know, and it was just, uh, and like I said, they're retiring his Jersey. It's not like it's a hall of fame nod. Like, people are going on and on, like, oh, it's got to be, like, yo, you have to be a Hall of Famer or some 50-goal, you know, 500-goal guy to get your jersey retired. And it's like, no, you don't. I mean, you know, St. Louis has Gasoff and Plager's jerseys retired. It's like, Boston's got O'Reilly's. Now, I'm not saying Chris Neal was on O'Reilly. Like, O'Reilly was a really good player, too, and had a lot of points. But you know what I'm getting at. It's not like it's a Hall of Fame-only thing um, off the top of my head. I didn't research all the retired jerseys in the NHL. <laughs> in the NHL, pardon me. But, um, yeah, like I don't, uh, um, and, and it's not a, there, there are no guidelines to like Jersey. It's not like the league set out guidelines like, oh, this has to be, he has to have this many points or, you know, or whatever, this accomplishment before he gets, it's, it's a team thing. And clearly the Ottawa Senators organization felt that, um, for everything, it was, it's a feel-good thing. The guy's done a lot for the community, as I said, community guy, team guy, um, and, I, and it's just a real unique situation, you know. And I saw the oh, like they're gonna Toronto gonna do Colt Moore, <laughs> you know, like uh, yeah, like that's the same thing, idiot. Like, you know, there's always just goofs that have to like, oh, he was a goon or he was a dummy, and I'm getting somewhere with this, but it's just like. What are we doing? Okay, okay. so he fought, like, and he was a tough guy. You know, um, if anything, I, I, I think that's actually really cool. That's, like, a tough guy is actually getting the the uh, publicity and the notoriety enough to, you know, and the the respect enough to retire their jersey. There's a lot of tough guys that have should have their numbers retired, in my opinion, for what they did for the team, you know. Um, I'm not saying every guy, I'm going to say, no, you know, we got to throw up, you know, Tory Robertson up to the rafters or, you know, whatever, you know, but, you know, or whatever, but it's just, you know, I don't think Louis DeBrusque will be going up to the ring of honor at Edmonton, but it's like at the same time, it's, you know, um, you know, I, I just think it's really cool and no disrespect to the Robertson or DeBrusque. I'm just trying to make a point, you know what I'm saying? But it's just like, I, you know, and, and I, I mean, of course all the, you know, but I shouldn't say all, I shouldn't paintbrush, but of course there's, you know, obviously a bunch of people shitting on Neil and always goon and whatever. And of course you go look and they're old, they're, you know, it's leaf boy 34. It's like, well, yeah, okay. You know, whatever. I mean, if you're a Leaf fan, you know, I could see the personal, I could see the hate for Chris Neal after all the battles he had with the Leafs over the year, uh, over the years. But if anything, if you take your little fanboy goggles off and just look at Neal for what he was, think back to those playoff games, those, those wars that Toronto and Ottawa had. You know, Neal was a solid foot soldier for the Senators back then. It was pretty much the lone gun. When I remember when Toronto was sending like, you know, Domi and Tucker and Roberts and all those guys. And Neil was kind of the lone gunman there that was like, you know, you know, every once in a while he'd get help for a season or two, but, you know, but he was still there and he played hard every game, home on the road would hit, 
you know, and, and Neil, like, hey, there's no denying, Neil was a mean bastard, too, like, I mean, he, you know, and, uh, and was not afraid to be vocal about it and whatever, like, he played his role, um, but, but hey, like, you know, you look, like you said, he was, uh, but like I said, homegrown guy, taken 161st overall in the 98 draft, the sixth round, uh, from Flesherton, Ontario, 6'1", 215, so it wasn't like he's a monster heavyweight or anything, but, um, you know, in terms of fights, he had 237 career fights. Um, but yeah, 1,026 games, 112 goals, 138 assists, 250 points, 2,500 minutes of penalties, played 95 playoffs game, 19 points, another 200 minutes. Um, he had five, uh, double digit goal seasons. So before everybody, oh, he's a plug. You're like, mm, okay. You know, like I said, he had, you know, somebody, oh, 112 goals, oh, pff, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah. Well, that's all five on five, man. I don't think Neil had many power play opportunities. Not, you know, so I should, I'm sure he had a power play goal here, there, but, uh, you know, those, most of those goals are five on five. He ain't getting special teams time. But, um, no, and I mean, like I said, if you're, if you're gonna, you know, you know, talk ignorant and be stupid, then, you know, whatever. But, you know, his final season, North Bay, 59 games played, 26 goals, 55 points, 230 minutes. 25 tilts in his final year in the OHL. Um, then he played two seasons in the IHL with the Grand Rapid Griffins. You know, 600 minutes of penalty, 50 tilts in two years at the IHL. He had some awesome fights in the IHL with like Engelstad and guys like that. Um, yeah. And, uh, during the lockout, went down to the AHL, played for Binghamton Senators, played 22 games, had 10 points, 12 tilts. Um, you know, um, his final fight was February 26th. 2017 against Sean Thornton when Thornton was in Florida. There you go. A couple old timers battling out one last time. And, um, you know, I was always a Neil guy. I remember getting the, um, cause of course he was an OHL guy. So I didn't see a lot of them uh, or didn't see any of them unless you saw him on video. There is not a lot of Chris Neil OHL footage that I know of. Uh, but, um, I remember getting the Grand Rapids stuff. And it's like, who's this Neil guy? He's like 350 minutes and he's like toe to toe with like Engelstad and Ruark and, you know, and all these guys. It's like, holy shit, you know? And, uh, yeah, like, like this guy's a bad dude, man. I was, so I was like instantly like, I'm down with Chris Neil. And then of course he got up to Ottawa and just, you know, what, 14 years later, right? Never left. So, um, yeah, I was, I was always, I, I dug Chris Neil. He's cool as shit, man. But, but yeah, um, so, <laughs> So what happened was, of course, everybody's ranting and raving, and I, you know, I, I go on social media and just basically, like, just say, like, I don't know what everybody's getting so wound up about. He clearly means something to the Ottawa Senators and the organization, and it's like, like I said, it's not, no one's saying he should be in the Hall of Fame. It's just a feel-good thing for the, for a guy that gave it his all for the team for a thousand games. You know, like, get a clue. Oh, yeah, so I get a couple guys, you know, whatever. Most people agreed with me in my thread. But there was one character, and Roger, I hope you're listening, um, who, I got, I don't know, he, on Facebook there, I guess he took offense to Chris Neal, or, or he took offense to me saying, get a clue. Apparently, he thought I was talking to him, I guess. I don't know. Because uh, apparently, his big reply to me was, well, how about you get one? Okay, okay good one. But, um, <laughs> all right. But, so, but just him and I kind of went back, and we weren't motherfucking each other, but it was just like... I just said to him, like, oh, well, what's the big problem? Like, you know, and he just like, well, he wasn't a good player. And it's like, well, it has not, I said, retiring your jersey has not, what, you know, has nothing to do with 
stats, you know. I mean, in a lot of cases it does. Obviously, you know, you're not Messier and Curry and Gretzky and all them up in the... I get it, you know, but um, it's not always has to do with stats. It's basically what, what he meant to the team. And um, and I don't know, like, if Rodgers they're just trolling or just... Well, he was a below-average player. Well, okay, below-average players don't play a 1,000 games. Like, whatever. I get it, you don't like him. But this is my problem. Like, when you try to have, like, a, just a civilized back-and-forth with somebody, it's like they, they got to go insta-stupid. And it's just like, well, why? You know, and then he's like, well, why don't they retire Charas then? Or Carlson's. Well, Carlson's still playing. But, or Ryan Reynolds. And it's like, oh, okay, well, you're just... And I said, when I said there's got to be, there's no guidelines to who gets, oh, well, then everyone should have their jerseys retired. It's like, okay, well, so you're clearly just going to be stupid then and talk dumb and, you know, whatever. But what I tried to do is I told them, I said, well, this is actually, because I'm always looking to create content, as you guys know, with two doing two shows a week. I told them, I said, well, come on the air. I said, come on the show. Let's do a point counterpoint and we'll just kind of go back and forth. And I think it would be fun. And, of course, he's like, well, why would I do that? And I'm like, well, I don't know, because you came on my thread and told me I didn't have a clue. So come on the air and tell me, you know, where to find a clue. And I said it would just be fun. But I wasn't swearing. We weren't. I wasn't swearing. He wasn't swearing at me either. But we weren't swearing at each other. But it was just like, you know, I did feel he was taking a real ignorant tone. And with, like, not just me, but with, like, a bunch of the people talking to him, he's, he's starting to, he's come across really trollish. With his old Ryan Reynolds then. Because Chris actually asked him like a very fair. Like you know let's make some points. Let's have a debate or online or whatever. And he was, wasn't interested. He was just you know whatever. He sucked as a player. And he was a goon. And it's like oh, okay well you're just that guy then. You know. But then he's like well if you go find two or three more people that that uh, disagree with you. Then I'll come on. So I'm like oh so you need to come on with like three or four other people. That's the only way you're going to come on so you can come on in a gang. Like I'm like well that doesn't really work for the point counterpoint thing. Um so whatever. I guess he was more he felt safe behind the keyboard I guess instead of doing it verbally. But Roger if you're listening, I bet you you are. Um cuz you do follow we follow each other on Facebook, so I bet you, you are listening to it. Um, it's pretty disappointing, man. And, and you came on the thread and you said like, well, not everyone has to agree with you. I don't expect everybody to agree with me. That wasn't the point. My, my point, I guess, with the, the get a clue thing was it, it wasn't a shot at anybody in, well, it was a shot at the people that were calling them a dummy and a goon and whatever, which unfortunately you ended up doing, which was, you ended up just sounding really ignorant. I'm going to tell you that now when you, like I get, you don't have to like Chris Neal or you play whatever you're, or you're an Oiler guy, whatever. But okay, <clears throat> I did see part of your argument with people about, well, he didn't win anything or whatever. Well, it's a team game, so uh, I would, I'd be safe to say if the Ottawa Senator, if every Ottawa Senator put out the effort that Chris Neal did every night, uh, they would have had a lot more success. They might have actually won something. Um, that's not his fault because he can't play net and he can't score 50 goals too. So in a team sport, I, I, and it's not just this example, but I, I always love when people talk about players and it's, well, he never won nothing. Got no rings, no cups. Yeah, well, okay. I mean, in golf or boxing, MMA, that shit means tennis, but in a team game, like, what are you supposed to do? You know? Like is Marcel Dion or Dan Marino or whatever, are their careers less because they didn't win something? Like are they not great players regardless? I mean, you know, 
Like, it's everybody's knock on Eric Lindros. I'm like, well, was he supposed to play goal, too? Like, <laughs> what do you want these guys to do? You know, they, they, they did their part. It was sort of everyone. It was a bunch of people around them that didn't do theirs. Um, you know, and I get Chris Neal wasn't the offensive threat and whatever, but I mean, he obviously with a tough guy and especially one that plays that long and had that much importance put on them. It wasn't like Chris Neal was a two shift goof. No, he got a regular shift, you know, and would average double digits in ice time. Like I said, he had five double, like he had a 13, 12, 10 goal season. So it's not like he's just some idiot that doesn't know what the little black thing rolling around is. And like I said, he had a point a game in junior. So it's not like, I always laugh at these people. And he had, he had a very solid IHL final season. So I always laugh at these people. They just talk like these guys are playing out there with no, like, with no stick or something. Like, no, Chris Neal was not a bad player. He could skate. He was a great body checker. Knew his role. Would fight when he had to, well, he had 200 and whatever, 38 career fights against everybody. Um, yeah, he, he kicked ass and got, you know, and stuck up for the Senator guys. And like I said, obviously it meant a lot. And, and I always laugh, and I've said this on the show numerous times, but I said, I think that's why analytic guys obviously don't like tough guys, because there's no way of measuring what their importance is, you know, what they're like in the room, what it's like for the other players to have that kind of safety blanket there. And uh, when you can't put a number on it, or they can't give it a math equation, then it's like, wow, these guys are just, they're dummies and losers that, you know, they're, they're pointless, yeah, well, that's why I was saying. That's why the calculator crew can always say that because they've never been in a locker room, they've never been on the ice, they've never had these guys around. So you know, ask a player; they'll tell you. And clearly, Chris Neal means a lot. And um, again, you don't have to like him if you don't agree with having his jersey. Whatever, that's fine. I'm like, it's not because you're disagreeing that they put the jersey because you're, you're stupid. Well, no, I'm not saying that. But I'm like this idea that. Oh, he's just a plug, goon, dummy that didn't matter. And, oh, anybody could have done what he did. Well, no, they can't. That's the most moronic statement of it all. Because most people don't want to get punched in the face. So, stop with that. Like I said, I get, this goes to Roger and the rest of these guys. I get it you don't like him. That's fine. I'm not saying you have to like him. But when you start with your ignorant shit, like he's just a plug and all that, you sound like, it's just ignorant, man. And it's just, there's no point to that. And that's when I said, get a clue. That's what I'm talking about. I wasn't that, oh, I disagree. I don't think he, he was not a good enough player. He shouldn't have his jersey up there. Like that should just be for Hall of Fame guys or, you know, just say that. Okay. And when I'm like, oh, I disagree, you know, heart and soul guy, whatever. Oh, I think you have to have a certain threshold of points. Okay, fine. We could have left it. But when you start with the, oh, he's a dummy, he sucked, did below average. The reason he played so all those games not was because no other team would want him. Like, oh, like, you know how stupid you sound. Like, you just, like, I could tell you every team would have taken Chris Neal. So stop with your stupid talk. Like, it's just, that's what I mean. And then you lose, it just lost respect for you, man. Like, yeah, if you're just going to talk stupid, it's just why. You know, but it's just, it's too bad you didn't come on the show. It would have been, uh, I think, it would have been a fun point-counterpoint thing and, um, you know, whatever. But, you you know, like I said, you're you're too busy hiding, I guess, whatever. I, it's amazing. I've, I've done that about five or six times with guys online, um, you know, and a bunch of, none of them have come on the show. And I, but I put it out there on, on everyone can see it. I've put out the, it's not a challenge, but I put out the offer 
to come on the show and let's talk about it because I think it would be a you know prov- you know provide they're not yelling you know, yelling and screaming and t- being dumb but you know if we just have a, an adult a, you can have an adult disagreement you know and not yell and scream at each other I mean that's what I'd be going for and I think it'd be an interesting concept um, you know but you know uh, it's funny they, they choose to hide behind their keyboard and their little online persona I guess but you know can't verbalize it I suppose but I don't know it's too bad but yeah anyway with the Chris Neal thing I think it's cool that Ottawa's doing it um you know I think somebody said that they haven't retired a jersey yet which surprised me that I'm like unless I read that wrong Alfredson's jersey's got to be retired isn't it you would think so I mean it's it's going to be um who else would I I I was talking to my brother about this he disagreed with me with um who the hell is he oh Chris Phillips just because he played his entire career there too. And I think he meant a lot to the team and whatever. And um, But maybe not. But, you know, maybe the organization feels different. But, no, I'm a, I, I know, like I said, it's a it's an organization thing. It's a fan thing. What they meant to the day-to-day routine when the operation when they were there. Because, like I said, you could have star players that have been there and, and they don't do a lot of stuff in the community. And as soon as the season's done, they head back home or whatever. And, and that's fine. I'm not saying they have to stick around. But you know what I'm saying? Like, some guys choose to stick around and do a lot for the, you know, and even in retirement and stuff. Like, I could tell you if I, after playing all the, and having all the money that Neil has and all that. And, I mean, good on him. But, man, in the winter, come the winter, when I retire, I'd be down in friggin' Florida somewhere in the keys or something, man, that's what I'd be doing if I had all that money. I sure as hell wouldn't be hanging around Ottawa for a winter, you know, but so clearly he loves the organization and what he's doing and what they're doing. And I'd assume he does something with the team. I'm assuming they're employing him. I don't, maybe not, but it sounds like they do. Um, and he's like an ambassador or something, but, uh, I don't know. I just, I just think it's cool that Ottawa's doing it and recognizing a tough guy. And I don't know. I thought it was cool. And I mean, I wasn't surprised with the blowback from fans, but, um, you know, obviously the majority of people that follow my Facebook account agree with me because obviously it's sort of a, it's a sort of a, a demographic of, you know, enjoying the, the tough guys. So, um, but yeah, there you go, Chris Neal. I mean, like I said, I don't, I don't think retiring jerseys has anything, I don't think it has anything to do with points. Um, I just think it has to do with, um, you know, their, their place amongst the, uh, with the team. So, and like I said, with Neal, I mean, not, and again, I'm not saying, oh, every tough guy, because they bled for the team that they should have their jerseys retired. And, um, no, but I think it's certain cases, and with Chris Neal playing that many games, and like I said, being one of 35 guys to ever play in the NHL with all one team in over a 1,000 games, that, that's a special accomplishment, and uh, and I'm glad it's getting recognized. <clears throat> I'm just trying to think of another tough guy. I mean, you know, I mean, Probert, but I mean, he actually played the same amount of games in Detroit and Chicago, so... Um, yeah, that's kind of kind of interesting there. Um, you know, uh, who else? I'm just sorry. This isn't a bit, folks. I didn't write anything. Rob Ray. There. Yeah, there you go. I think Buffalo could Ray because I think he he had to have played a thousand games there, if not damn close. And again, another guy stuck. I still I think he works still works for the team. Does broadcasting, so he stuck around with the team, and I think he meant a lot. I mean, I know all there. I mean, he played in Ottawa, but then that for the one year that should have never happened. But um, you know, no, I'm not saying if Buffalo doesn't, it's stupid or whatever. But I'm just I'm just throwing out names here that um, 
you know, that could, you know, as far as a tough guy goes that played that long. Yeah. It's, it's a rare thing for sure. So congratulations to Chris Neal. I dig it. But, um, yeah, what's next? How about, uh, you know, I, well, I got to pay some bills here, guys. Actually, seriously, um, I know with football, you know, the NFL going on and the NHL starting up and everything. Um, I know you always, you put it on TV and there's a million gambling ads. I know I, the other night we had the sports thing on it. Oh, it was when the World Series is on. Yeah, I know. Is it just, it's brutal how many MGM and all that stuff, every commercial break there's betting on. Uh, betting, actually, I think they're doing, they're overdoing it so much that I think it turns people off, to be completely honest. And, and I know with this podcast, it's the same thing with the DraftKings and the, all that stuff. And you see it in the descriptions when I put it out there. Um, but of course, that's, that's who pays the bills here. And that's how I get paid. They pay me. So, um, you know, and, uh, the more that we could get people to sign up and, you know, maybe do the deposit thing, it doesn't, I'm not saying you got to dump hundreds or thousands of dollars. It's like, 20 bucks, five bucks, you know, whatever. Um, it helps me out. Um, it helps the network out and that's how I get paid and whatever. So, I mean, I know it's a gambling ad, forgive me, but, um, you know, and, and, you know, until Goodyear or somebody comes, you know, whatever, uh, you know, so I understand because somebody brought this up to me the other day that, you know, with the show and, oh, it's halfway through, oh, you're into the gambling thing now too. And I'm thinking, well, I've actually done DraftKings since like the episode one. So clearly you haven't been paying attention because, um, yeah, that's, that's been happening since the first day. Uh, so, um, but yeah, I get everyone's kind of sick of gambling ads and everything else. Um, they do pay the bills. And like I said, I know a lot of guys that I list that listen to the show do online gambling. Um, like I said, I encourage you, you know, THPN, it's the promo code, DraftKings, sign up. Like I said, in the ad here, I talk about the pro, the sign-up bonus and stuff. It's a good bonus, too. Um, yeah, I get it, guys. I get it. But bear with me, right? It's, um, you know, it's, uh, like I said, that's how we keep the lights on around here. And, uh, yeah, that's, you know, and like I said, it, like, millions of people gamble online, so... We're just, you know, this is a nice little promo. It helps you, the player, um, you know, get a get a, a bonus deposit, and it helps the network. And you know, everyone wins. You know, what can I say? But uh, yeah, for those, I get it. But that's just the way it is, guys. So, so uh, don't don't shoot the messenger, as they say. But anyway, here we go. And now a message from our sponsors. NFL Sundays are only getting better, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, place the same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, and point totals. I mean, right now, look at the FC East, guys. You know, the Bills, the Jets, Miami, it's a logjam. Is Kansas City still the team to beat? They're looking good. With bigger payouts than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is the go-to when betting on the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN and place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with the code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. All right. Uh, 
Yeah. What's, what is up next? Oh, yeah. Um, I have found, it was a while ago, but uh, I'm not sure how many people know this, but the Manitoba Hockey Hall of Fame um, has a YouTube channel, and they have, uh, the, you know, obviously they sit down with some of their inductees, and they ask them little questions. It's kind of like a two-minute little sound bite and stuff. They have the whole interview with different guys up, too, but one of them was Ted Irvin. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, and I, and I thought it was cool. The little couple, uh, little two minute sound or minute and a half sound bites. Um, you know, um, of course, Ted Irvine, um, was it be Irvin or Irvine? I guess it would be Irvin. Um, of course he is famously, his son is uh pro wrestler, Chris Jericho. Um, for those that, uh, that don't know, I'm sure most people know, but if you don't, there you go. And, uh, so, but anyway, um, you know, of course, Ted was a tough guy back in the day with, you know, Kings and Rangers and, uh, but, uh, yeah, here is his, uh, the question was, who was the nastiest player? So again, Manitoba Hall of Fame, I hope you don't mind me using your soundbite. I'm just using it for, uh, for research purposes here, just to share. But I encourage people to go definitely check out the site. They have some cool stuff on there. Well, Teddy Lindsay was a stick man. Early years, it was Sanderson. Because the first game Sanderson played in Detroit, he went up to Gordie Howe and warm up and put a stick in his eyes. He said, you come close to me, old so-and-so. I'll poke your eye out. Well, that, at that time, without TV, it ran through the league. Who is this guy? 170, 75 pounds. You stayed away from him because he was good with a stick. Bobby Clark, meanest, nastiest, dirtiest with that stick. He'd stick and jab you. I remember Stemmer and I played against him a lot, so we used to go to face-off. say, Bobby, you're coming after you, and he'd just back up. And they'd bring Schultz and Zaleski and say, okay, boys, when do you want to go? <laughs> but Bobby was a winner. I mean, he he hacked the heck out of you. There was a lot of guys that were good with their stick, you know, and would hack and whack you. Uh, but there was guys like the loose cannons, like the Ferguson scared you more than anybody uh, because he could play the game, but he would snap quicker than anybody. Schultz snapped quicker than anybody. And there was good fighters. Orlan Curtinback was an outstanding fighter, but he didn't snap. He was methodical. It was a guys you just didn't know, you know, like a Bobby Plager. You didn't know what he was going to do. He could come from you behind. He could jump the glass and you know you know brian spinner spencer in toronto you just didn't know what these guys were going to do i mean those are the guys that scared you all right well there you go that's uh sound bite number one hold on i'll i'll cue up sound bite number two. although i do laugh because of course it's the classic youtube and um you know you have to have the comments but this is a great interview but i call bs on the sanderson howe interaction simply stated mr howe would have had Derek as a dinner appetizer it's like oh god there's always oh yes there's always got to be that guy yeah okay yeah you know gordy in his fight a year now i'm not saying sanderson could beat howe in a fight but it's just like i'll give it a rest you know, there's always the, the classic. The, I always say all the idiots are in the YouTube comment section. But hold on here. I'm going to, I'll dig up a clip number two here. All right. Uh, clip number two here is a minute and a half. Um, the question was, who was the toughest player that you recall? Well, Fergie was the toughest because Fergie dropped the gloves quicker than anybody. 
when Fergie came at you, you, you know, he had his gloves off before you could. Um, so he was tough. But you had some of the hard-nosed guys that keep on hitting you. I mean, they just kept hitting you over and over and over again. They weren't going to fight you, but they were just going to body check you. Like Johnny Busick. I mean, he just he just kept on hitting you. It hurt. I mean, he wasn't going to fight you. Teddy Green hit you all the time. He just knew you were going to get it. Eh? Terry Harper wasn't a great fighter, but he kept on hitting you. Uh, you know, Sir uh, Butch Bouchard kept on hitting you. Uh, you go against you know, Cashman, kept, Ace Bailey kept on hitting you. So there's guys that, you know, they just didn't go away. Donnie Marcotte, you play against those guys. You just knew Bugsy Watson in Detroit. He just kept on hitting you. I mean, just, uh, the Hillmans, they kept on hitting you. There were just guys you knew every game. Yeah, they weren't going to fight you, but they were going to hit you. It doesn't matter whether they're at home or on the road. A lot of times in those days, you had road flu. You knew a lot of guys weren't going to play tough on, at home, uh, on the road. Eh? So, But at home, they got 10 feet tall, and some of those guys could really bang you pretty darn good, and uh, it hurt. It hurt. Uh, I mean, Plagers in St. Louis, I mean, the last of the body checker, hip checkers, uh, you know, Noel Bacard, they just hit you. They were just big, strong guys. So there we go, little Ted Irvin, uh, some sound, a couple of little sound bites there. I just wanted to share with you guys. I thought they were pretty cool. Um, you know, anytime you can kind of get the, kind of the older guys talking about stuff, it, uh, I don't know, I always kind of, little hockey hit, little hockey history there. Um, like I said, nothing too earth chattering in any of those, but, uh, yeah, nonetheless, I just kind of wanted to share with you guys. Um, well, for my last little bit here, see, I told you I was going to take too long. Um, well, I guess we're at 40 minutes. Uh, I know you guys have really been enjoying the player spotlights. I enjoy doing them. Um, so today's player spotlight is, uh, Doty Wood. And, uh, I was a fan of Doty's going back to the Western Hockey League when he played in Seattle and some current. Um, undersized tough guy. Um, but, uh, you know, what, man, what a technician he really was. And, uh, you know, um, from BC, you know, 5'10", you know, probably about 185 pounds. Um, yeah, he, uh, you know, he played in the IHL of Kansas City for a long time, a number of seasons, um, towards the end, went over, uh, to the, uh, to the UK league, uh, played, uh, in, uh, Scotland and, uh, and in Nottingham, uh, then briefly in the Central League in the East Coast, and then actually wound up finishing up in the, of all places, the LNAH in 0304 with the Verdun Dragons. He played 18 games at eight points. And 17 fights. And, um, uh, again, if you go to my YouTube channel, Fourth Line Voice, uh, subscribe to the channel, please. But I have over 2,500 videos on there. But if you want to look up some Doty Wood stuff, I have some really good IHL fights with him from his Kansas City days. Um, couple of, uh, junior fights with John, with him and Paduk and Kent Staniforth. And, uh, actually Staniforth kind of gives it to him a little bit. Uh, Kent was a tough dude. Uh, but I have some Verdun stuff on there. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, like I said, just a, uh, a tough, tough guy, undersized, but he was, what a technician. Kind of a, kind of a shorter version of, not that Langdon was huge either, but he kind of reminded me of Langdon. Uh, could throw both hands. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think he's going to knock you out, but, uh, you know, uh, he was definitely a handful. He knew how to grapple. Um, and he did this really cool, under the arm duck thing. If you're not familiar with Dodie Wood, go watch his videos, um, and you will quickly understand what I'm talking about. You know, some guys have like really unique kind of signature styles. Wood was one of those guys. He was a 
Adam Huxley, I know, went on and really did it too. I remember when I had Adam on the show, I talked to him about it. Um, but yeah, the duck underneath the arm, and it, it really helped gain leverage back, um, especially on a tall guy that was, you know, with Doty Wood being 5'10", and you're getting struck, strung out, um, you know, it's tough to obviously get leverage. And, uh, but he could do that by ducking underneath and, uh, and he did it excellent. And, uh, I'm, like I said, when you go to YouTube, you'll see what I mean. If you're not, if you're unfamiliar with Doty Wood, um, and there's some really great, I'll go, as I'm going through his fight card, I'll, there's some great examples that I can give you that you can go look and you'll see what I mean. And it's a great tactic. And, uh, yeah. And I always say like, remind me like Rick Rippon that he put the, def- like the block up with the arm. I never saw any, I never saw anybody do it. Um, I'm not saying that people didn't block with their arms, but I never saw it maybe so pronounced as Rippin did it. Um, you know, I'm just, uh, just, and like with the way they'd kind of just go with the punches and they would just grapple, they'd, they'd wrestle, but they weren't like wrestlers. You know what I mean? They were technicians and Wood was a technician. Langdon was a technician. Um, you know, I'm not talking like hugging, like, like a, a Caulfield or a Brian Curran or, or guys like that. Um, you know, I know fights make styles. Everyone has, everyone has a style. Um, they wrestled, but they weren't wrestlers. Um, if that makes any sense, but I know I'm sort of double talking here, but, um, like I said, go to, um, the fights that I'm going to talk about on this fight card, all the fights are on YouTube. So you could see what, so you could well go along and watch them as I'm talking about them or go down the Doty Wood rabbit hole later. Um, but these are the fights I kind of, obviously I don't talk about every fight he was in, but, uh, I just, some of the highlight, um, significant fights that he had. Um, yeah. And, uh, like I said, I really enjoy doing these player spotlights, but, uh, yeah, I just I brought up his old drop your gloves card. Um, NHL totals. He played 106 career games. He had eight uh, eight goals, ten assists, 471 minutes, and he had 60 fights. So 60 tilts and 106 games. Now I will put an asterisk beside that 60 because on the drop your gloves totals that does include. See, the 106 games is like regular like his regular season totals, but the 60 fights include preseason. So, and he did have a bunch of preseason fights. So it's not, those aren't 60 regular season fights. Um, but nonetheless, but I'm just letting you know. So for the sake of, what do they say? Transparency, you know, whereas we're going to report the news here. Um, but yes, in Seattle, but, and that was again, Seattle, his first year there, uh, as an 18 year old, uh, you know, he played 69 games, 28 goals, 65 points, uh, 27 fights. Then the following year, as a 19-year-old, he played uh, 37 games, had 32 points, 232 minutes. He had 19 fights, and then got traded to Swift Current uh, right at the trade deadline. So where he where he played three regular season games, but then he had seven. He played seven playoff games, had 37 minutes. So he ended up playing 10 games total with Swift Current, and had seven fights, um, including playoffs. So and that was his WHL run, and then uh, he ended up with uh, San Jose. Um, yeah, so let's, let's, uh, get into this fight card. Um, well, we'll, we'll start at the, well, we have to start with, he was actually drafted by San Jose in the 1991 draft, uh, third round, 45th overall. So obviously he was, um, you know, highly, uh, you know, thought of a third round pick. Like I said, had a solid, had a solid career point, point of game guy in the Western league and to go along with you know, 500 minutes of penalties. So, um, you know, again, undersized tough guy, but fought everybody. 
Um, but yeah, was, was, uh, was in the Sharks, uh, obviously played in the IHL. Um, but yeah, was in the Sharks lineup as a, as a 20 year old. He played 13 games. He had a goal and an assist, 71 minutes, but he had nine fights. And, um, yeah, so 20 years old, right, right into the deep end. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just loading up his, uh, his fight card right now. Um, his actually his first, uh, uh, his first NHL fight, um, came at, uh, March 23rd. So right at the end of the season, San Jose, um, you know, obviously they weren't going to, you know, be in the playoffs or whatever. So they, you know, they, they, he was in Kansas City for the year. Um, and again, um, his Kansas City stuff, um, you know, he fought Paul Laws, Stephen Fletcher, uh, Zemlak, Reed Simpson down in the eye. But, uh, March 23rd, 1993, um, is his first NHL fight. It's in Pittsburgh versus Jim Peck. Um, again, no, who was definitely not a heavyweight and would just kind of beats on him a little bit. But, uh, his next fight is, uh, two nights later against Ryan McGill of the Flyers. And it's, um, and it's sort of a, a, the reason I bring it up, it wasn't that it was a big standout signature fight, but, um, he, uh, he basically, they're in front of the net, in front of the flyer net, and McGill's, you know, they're battling for position. And Wood kind of turns around and kind of goes like, okay, let's go. And, uh, before McGill can even get his gloves off, you know, Woods popping him, right? And, uh, and he gets him good right, right off the start. And then they, uh, you know, they end up kind of just grappling and fighting. It's not much of a great fight, but the only reason I bring it up is it was sort of a, a sign of things to come with Wood. And we'll get into that as, as I go on here. But, uh, um, yeah, other than that, you know, he has fights McKay, Dean Kennedy. Um, his first kind of real big, you know, heavyweight fight was on the island against Fakoda. And, um, yeah, and, you know, and Fakoda was, like I said, the first kind of, you know, although McGill was a scrappy guy too, you know, but I don't know if I'd put Ryan McGill in a, in an NHL heavyweight, um, category. Um, but Mick Fakoda was his, first, uh, you know, March 27th, um, you know, cause he had fought Claude Loisel earlier in the game again. Okay. So, you know, Fakoda's going to come looking for him, just kind of straighten that out. And, uh, yeah, Mick, I mean, Mick beats on him pretty like I mean not that he busts him up or drops him or anything but yeah clear win for Fakoda and you could see the size there and it's not like Fakoda's a real massive guy probably 6'2 but um you know obviously had the size on Doty and uh yeah he just kind of you know just stretched about and yeah for, for once Fakoda didn't body slam him he uh but he did give it to him pretty good but uh yeah moving on from there 93-94 he actually plays the entire season in the IHL, again, you know, 21 years old, you know, and the IHL, solid, you know, uh, veteran league. Um, but yeah, uh, fought Toporowski a bunch of times, uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin Evans, Kevin Grant, Dean Ewan, uh, Jason Simon, Herb Raglan, Drager. So yeah, he is not picking spots, um, you know, had 20 fights and yeah. And then, uh, 94-95, he has a couple preseason fights, uh, one with Todd Ewan, one with Marty McSorley. Unfortunately, those aren't on YouTube. I would, I'd love to see how he did against Marty though. Um, but then he, he's back in the eye and, uh, uh, it is, uh, when did he get to the NHL? March 21st. Again, late season call up. Uh, you know, San Jose puts him out there. Um, and is actually his first, in his first game, he fights twice. 
um, in, it's uh, against Chicago, and it's Tony Horacek. Um, that's actually um, uh, a, re- a really good fight, but uh, Wood kind of gives it to him, and uh, you know, solid tilt. Um, and then later on, there's a line. Um, Wood hits Sutter, Brent Sutter, into the bench, and uh, you know, the long, and they kind of shove him into the board, into his bench. Uh, ends up being a line brawl, and Wood gets paired off with Patrick Poulin. You know, um, and, and Wood gives it to him. And actually, they end up on the ice, and, uh, it's a line brawl, and Wood, uh, kind of does the ground and pound, and he's giving it to Poulin when he's on the ice. And, um, that's the one thing going through, um, uh, you, as you go through the, do the deep dive on Dodie Wood. He, he, mean motherfucker, man. Like, he, he was mean. And, you know, and he wasn't above, throwing in a shot when you were down or, um, you know, if he felt it was deserved. And there was a couple times, like, he got his gloves off quick and popped guys. And it's like, well, you know, I guess don't stand around and open your lunchbox. If you're going to fight, fight. But, you know, there was a couple times, eh, you know, um, uh, like with Mike Greer, um, Roman Volpat, you know. Um, I, when I, I interviewed Roman about two years ago, so forgive me for I don't, I know I would have, I know I brought this incident up with Wood to him. I can't remember what his answer was at the time. And, uh, like I said, I didn't have time to go back and, and listen to the show, but, um, I know he wasn't happy about it. And Wood caught him. Um, they were doing a face off and, uh, you have all things, it's towards the end of the game and they drop the puck and Volpat comes up on him with the stick a little bit without a doubt. But so Wood, uh, and then kind of knocks Wood down. Well, Wood gets up, he goes right at Volpat, and it's probably as he's getting up saying, okay, let's go. And he's already got his gloves off, and Volpat isn't ready for it, and whacks, he kind of hits him when he's coming in to grab him and drops him. And, uh, Volpat was down for a while. They had to help him off, and, uh, you know, um, you know, and like I said, uh, Wood was not above doing that. He did it a couple times when I, when you go down, so. He was a mean dude, man, and he meant business. And I guess at the same time, hey, when you're five ten, buck eighty five, trying to survive in the in the NHL against heavyweights, you got any advantage you can get the quick jump or anything. I mean, it's you know, you know, it's it'll, you know, for lack of a better term, kill or be killed, right? So you got to be on the adva- on the aggressive, and and he was certainly aggressive without a doubt. But uh, yeah, he had that one. Um, then he has the fight with. Uh, and here's the first example I can give you. Well, he, he did it a bunch of times, but in the NHL anyway, um, he fights Todd Ewan again. Um, and Ewan's actually kind of real. And again, Ewan's 6'3", probably 225, 230, like a lot bigger than Wood. And he's sort of manhandling him a bit, and he's got him, and he's hitting him left, right, whatever. Um, but then Wood does the under-the-arm duck thing, and he takes over. And he actually really makes a comeback on Ewan. Again, it doesn't drop him or bust him up or anything, but you'll see what I mean when you watch it. And it, it's a real, you can just see, it's just a slick move. He ducks under the arm and gets, and comes back from underneath. And, uh, yeah, man. Um, his next fight is against, uh, uh, Dave Manson. Um, contrary to popular belief, uh, Manson was not a killer. And, uh, I mean, I like Dave Manson, but I did a whole myth and reality on that horse shit. And, uh, I know there's a couple people out there that, uh, especially one that just can't let it go. But, uh, yeah, no, this fight sucked and Manson just wrestled and it was brutal. I just had to throw that in there though. Um, but actually he, uh, fought twice that night and his next fight's against Ty Domi. And it is a, this is, um, this is just, it, it's a great fight. And, um, 
it, it's, it all starts. Domi's in the corner with the puck. Wood gives him a good body check, knocks him down, clean hit. Um, knocks him on his wallet. Domi gets up, doesn't like, it's like, who the fuck are you? And, uh, away they go. And, um, great fight, but Wood's giving it to Domi at the start. And Domi has to come back later, but, um, you know, Domi comes back with a couple of hard lefts at the end of the fight, but Wood was all over him at the start. Really great showing for Wood. Um, and that was his final fight in the NHL that year. And then obviously he got sent back to Kansas City in the IHL because they were in the playoffs. So, um, he ended up fighting four more times in the playoffs there, but, um, the following season's 95, 96. And, um, uh, that, this is, this is Woods kind of, uh, first, uh, uh, full-time, uh, year in the, in the league. And, uh, he, he ends up playing, uh, you know, 32 games and, um, yeah, what is it? 32 games. He has, uh, 14 fights. Um, Actually, one of his preseason fights is against Probert, and I don't think there's any footage of that. It's not, it's not on YouTube, so. And Matt Rutchney, too. And I would actually like to see that fight. Rutchney is when he was trying out in Vancouver. Um, yeah, that'd be interesting. I laugh, because actually it's one of his other fights against Doug Waite. I, I could see what that is. Uh, but, um, he has a couple really great fights this year. Um, a, a, a really good fight with, um, Randy McKay, and it's, and again, it's another thing. And going down the rabbit hole, when Wood fights for some reason, I don't. I was gonna say Ice Wars needs these types of friggin' straps. Whatever his trim strap is made of, Wood's helmet ends up like falling in front of his face a whole bunch of fights. And against this McKay fight, his helmet is like over top of his face, like hanging from his neck. And Wood, you know, and he just. It'd be, obviously you can't see McKay and his helmet's flying all over. And it, that happens to him a couple times. I'm like, what is your chin strap made of? But, uh, yeah, McKay kind of gives it to him. McKay, there, but it, McKay, under, under, um, again, another underappreciated tough guy for sure. Um, uh, then a couple, he has a, and then he has a really good fight with Reed Simpson. There's another guy kind of under the, actually that might be a player spotlight, Reed Simpson. Um, yeah. But it's in New Jersey, and and uh, it it it's a great tilt. Um, you know, I'd I'd probably give Sim I'd give Simpson the win, but it was a strong fight. Um, then he fights uh, Brashear actually when Brashear's with Montreal, and uh, you know they have a pretty good little toe to toe, kind of a little quick little exchange. Um, either way, um, I'm not gonna say neither guy I could pick up a win or anything like that. Um, oh, the other fight I forgot to mention, it was earlier than that, November, is fight with Alex Stoinoff. Um, it's on Hockey Night in Canada and, uh, is down in the corner and Stoinoff's so bloody big. But Stoinoff gets out of his jersey, out of his one sleeve and he's really giving it to Wood with the right hand. But, uh, Wood makes a bit, Wood takes some tough, that's one thing with Doty I'll give him. He's got a chin because he eats a couple stiff shots. But, uh, he keeps coming back. I mean, I give Stoinoff the win, but that's a great fight. But his final fight in 95-96 is against Chris Murray, and that fight's awesome. That fight with Chris Murray definitely, um, it's, it's the same game he actually fights Brashear in. Um, yeah, definitely check out Dodie Wood, Chris Murray. You won't be disappointed. Um, but yeah, that, that was a real strong fight. And, um, yeah, the next fight, or uh, the next season's, uh, which is really odd. It's 96-97. Uh, Wood, again, plays in the preseason, uh, fights Bonvie, DeBrusque, Barry Richter. Uh, but then he ends up in the IHL. 
and uh, and he's there until uh, actually it'd be a hell of a Christmas present. Uh, December thirty first, he's in Calgary, um, and he actually fights a rookie, Jerome Aginla, and it's a pretty good fight actually. And Aginla actually really shows well against Dodie Wood and uh, shows his toughness. You know, Hall of Fame player and everything. At that time, he's a rookie, but he definitely showed he could hang with like tough guys. I'm, again, I'm not saying Dodie Wood's the heavyweight or anything. Obviously, Aginla's bigger. Well, everyone's bigger. I was going to say, outside of Domi. But even Domi would probably have 30 pounds on wood. You know, they're the same height, but I would, wood, Domi's a lot, looks a lot thicker than wood. But, uh, yeah, again, does great against them. Um, but other than that, uh, after that, he, he finishes out the rest of the season, um, in the NHL. Um, a couple great fights. Um, great toe to toe fight with Scott Walker. There's one you got to watch. That's a great fight. And again, he fights twice that game because later in the game, he fights Brashear, who's with Vancouver at this time. And, um, you know, uh, I, it's, uh, when you watch him square off, um, uh, Brashear hits him with a really good left jab, uh, to go in. But it, it's a solid fight. I mean, you know, uh, you know, I'd give Brashear the win. Yeah. But he certainly didn't smoke him. Like it's a good fight. Um, then, then he does the one punch thing to Greer. Um, again, they're going to go, he comes at him and uh, Greer doesn't, I don't know if they're talking like, Hey, let's go. And Wood just happens to get his shit off first, but he lands one shot and puts Greer down. And, um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty stiff. Um, he has, and then after that, he has a really great fight with Ronnie Stern. Again, another undersized tough guy. I love Ronnie Stern. He was in some great battles. But him and Wood, it's a quick and dirty, really great fight. Um, then after that, he fights Darren McCarty. Bust McCarty up. Uh, it's, that's actually a really weird fight how it starts. They drop the gloves and they're kind of, and they're grappling and they're, it's right behind the net. They're kind of along the glass, but Wood doesn't drop his one glove. He keeps his right hand on, his glove on for some reason. And they're kind of wrestling and then back and forth. And right when, I don't know what McCarty's doing. You can't tell because of the camera angle. I think, McCarty's trying to, cause he's lefty, right? He's trying to get his left hand out of his sleeve. And right when, as he's doing it, Wood like lets go. Cause they, they wrestle for about 10 seconds. And McCarty's just shaking his arm out, trying to get it out of the, he's either trying to get his elbow pad off or something. He's trying to do something with his left hand. Again, it's shot from the back. You can see, it's hard to tell. And all of a sudden, Wood just whack drills him, and uh, and you can just see, and he just he's on him, McCarty on him. He's Wood's on McCarty right away, and uh, yeah, really strong showing. Um, he has a really strong showing against Rudy Rudy Poshek, another tough guy. Um, Eric Karens kind of takes it to him, um, you know, and that that's a real. You, you definitely notice the, the size, um, how it impacts him in that fight. Cause, um, Karen's just stretches him out. And it's like, what is he going to do against Karen's? Who's like, what, 6'6 six, six and like 260 or whatever. I mean, well, actually, Wood ends up like grabbing him by his pants and like hauling him down, which is like, Woods never does. So, but yeah, it was just, um, yeah, I mean, just out, what are you going to do? You know, it's just, Karen's is so big. Um, well, another big guy is Glenn Featherstone. And, uh, and Wood just gives it to him in this game. Um, yeah, it's, uh, Jersey, he pulls the Jersey up and just gives it to him. Um, uh, then of course the Volpat thing that I talked about earlier, that happens. 
Um, and actually in the final kind of game of the year or his final fights of the year that year, it's March 26th against Toronto. Toronto's in San Jose. Actually, uh, Doty Wood ends up fighting three times. Um, the first one's against Domi. And then, uh, the, the other two are against, and I bet you people forget this, Kelly Chase. Kelly Chase played two games, the Leafs and got into two fights and they were, they were, uh, with Doty Wood. And, uh, a lot of people forget the Chase was in Toronto. Um, but yeah, the, the Domi fight, um, Domi just, they're spinning and Wood's off, you know how Domi does it. They're just off balance and Wood could just never straighten out. And Domi definitely gets the victory for that one. Um, his fights with Chase, the first, the first time they fight, the announcers are talking how Chase has a bad knee and whatever. They, it's a really long fight. It's a marathon long fight, but it's just kind of short jabs working inside kind of what are the what's the in boxing it would be called dirty boxing sort of it's like that there's kind of jabbing each other underneath and nothing real heavy lands but it's just you know there's they're smacking each other but either way it goes back and forth but in the second fight you really see uh, there are a second fight with chase you really see the duck underneath the arm thing and wood does it like multiple times in this fight if you want to see what i'm talking about just type in Dodie wood kelly chase because i think wood does it um, at least three or four times. And, um, every time he does it, he gets, he, it's like he just, he goes back on the, as soon as Chase is getting sort of any kind of position on him, Wood does the duck underneath, bam, bam. And he just, yeah, Chase just cannot right the ship and Wood's all over him. No, nobody gets dropped or anything or busted up, but Wood definitely gets the, the advantage in that fight. Um, and then after that, it's like, 97, 98, um, it's his, it's his last year in the NHL. He, he plays in the preseason, he has three preseason fights. Um, and then he has a, fights, uh, Chris Tamer, Oliwa, which he actually draws the penalty on, which is rare. He, and, uh, Oliwa kind of goes after him and he doesn't fight back. Um, and then his final fights, November 13th in LA versus Steve McKenna. And again, I think they say in the, in the video, McKenna's listed at 6-7. So yeah, I mean, he just, punches down on wood and it's not much of a fight and then wood just take takes him down uh then after that after that in december he's he's back in kansas city he plays in kansas city and then um and then he switches to the american league he goes to albany and plays for the river rats uh and and finishes the year there um and then the following year he's back in kansas city in the ihl um actually for a couple more seasons he goes back um, and then his final, uh, in 2000, 2001, he's in the preseason. He fights DJ Smith. He's, uh, he's with Vancouver. Um, and he fights DJ Smith in the preseason. Um, and then, and then that's it. Um, and then a couple years later, he's in the UK and then, uh, the LNAH. Um, but yeah, it was just, um, it was just like I said with the with the player spotlights. Um, I always just enjoy talking about sort of the the kind of guys that don't get talked about a lot. And I mean, I know a lot of my listeners. Obviously, you guys know who Doty Wood. Well, maybe the younger guys don't, but the older guys. You everybody knows who Doty Wood is, and he's been on a few shows. Um, but um, yeah, he uh, like I said, I was always a big fan. Like I said, he was an undersized guy, didn't take any shit, um, and would throw down with anybody. Great fight card. Um, but yeah, and just had guts, man. And like I said, wasn't above throwing the odd cheap shot and whatever. I mean, you know, whatever, send a message. But, um, 
yeah, I, I but he had some great toe-to-toe battles. Like I said, his fight with Chris Murray, the Kelly Chase won the Domi fight. Um, yeah, Scott Walker, Stoinoff. Yeah, he he has a he left some he had some great tilts in the NHL and um, yeah, I mean, like I said, there you go. So there's your your player spotlight is Doty Wood, and like I said, all the fights that I mentioned there um, are can can be found on YouTube. So uh, yeah, I would highly recommend going down the Doty Wood rabbit hole. Um, actually, I have a really good comprehensive two disc Doty Wood set that's actually excellent. Um, yeah, if uh, I can get my DVD player back up going here, my DVD burner. Um, yeah, I, w- I should. Uh, if anybody's interested in that, maybe I'll upload the like the pen stuff. Maybe I'll upload the I'll upload the Doty Wood discs, but they were because uh, they were actually made for Doty, and uh, yeah, they turned out great. Quality's awesome, and uh, a lot of good stuff on there. But uh, yeah, guys, while we're at the hour, eight minutes in. Um, as I said, I, I have one final, I, I think I said this, sorry, I did the intro a couple times. Um, I, I was having some audio issues, so I can't remember exactly what I said. Uh, did I say I was going to do a list? I can't remember if I did or not. I said, if I did, I said in one of them, I said I was, I had a special list. Um, I, I just off the top of my head, I actually sent a text to Steve and asked him for a little help. He sent me a few suggestions, but it's more just, um, kind of a little, well, it's not, it's not funny, but, um, you know, hopefully he sees the humor in it. Um, you know, um, for, for the regular listeners of the show, when I do the lists, um, you'll often hear me refer to a gentleman named Tim and, uh, Tim and I follow each other on social media and he is, a uh, a regular listener of the show. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate it. Um, but, but we were, but we were bugging him the one night. It's a long story inside joke, but I always call him list guy, Tim, right? Tim loves the list. You've all you've heard me say that before, um, but uh, I got a message from Tim uh, today actually, and he told me he was in a car accident and he broke his jaw, unfortunately. And uh, so, uh, you know, before we get going here, um, you know, Tim, I hope uh, you know I'm, I'm glad that's all that happened, and uh, I wish you a speedy recovery. That doesn't. I've never broken my jaw. I've been hit in the jaw. I've had a sore jaw. I had it clicking for a few days, but I cert- I never broke it, thankfully. Um, so I can't imagine. Uh, maybe I should get my jaw. I should go on a liquid diet too. Maybe that hey, that would shed some pounds. Tim's getting maybe Tim's getting ready for beach season. You know, he's gonna he's on a liquid diet here. Um, but no, in all seriousness, I'm glad to hear that you you know you know obviously things could have been a lot worse. So, but unfortunately with a broken jaw and everything. Um, but I wish Tim a speedy recovery. I know he's listening, um, but. So my special list today, I got a hold of Steve and I was going to say, what are the top five broken jaws in the NHL? That's today's list. What are the top five broken jaws? In honor of list guy Tim, let's come up with something here. Uh, I'm just, I don't know. I actually just, I didn't come up with that. We wrote down a few things, but, uh, you know, um, you know, I guess it was a famous like Gilly's Hospitar. Um, or that was more of, I think he just sort of broke Ed's face, but I think he broke his jaw. Um, one of the, actually one of the, the, one of the greatest hockey fights of all time, uh, Ron DeLorme, Jamie McCowan, you had to have seen it, people listening. If you have not list or have not seen it, go to my YouTube channel, just type in Ron DeLorme versus Jamie McCowan. It is one of the best hockey fights you will ever see. 
Um, McCowan gets his jaw broken in that one. But they, I'm, I can't believe everything wasn't broken on those guys after that fight. Tremendous tilt. Um, of course, the famous uh, Dave Brown, Stu Grimson uh, rematch. Was it his orbital bone that he broke? I think it was his jaw, wasn't it? Now that I'm saying it was his jaw or his orbital bone, now that I'm, ah, it might have been his orbital bone. So that was the one thing I was getting when I was kind of trying to come up with uh, different broken jaw fights. It was like, was it a broken orbital bone or was it a jaw? Um, I know, of course, Steve starts throwing out while well, Ken Houston broke Schultz's jaw. Um, play for on Ruskowski. Like Playfair on Sutter as well. And I think that's the fight that actually Larry Playfair talks about, which kind of pretty much... Uh, made him retire or stop fighting was his annihilation of, uh, of, uh, I think it's Rich Sutter. Um, Playfair really hangs one on him and, and basically broke his face. And he felt so sick about it after that, that pretty much was the end of Larry's fighting in his career. He was just, he didn't want to do it anymore. Um, but, uh, probably, I guess, one of the more famous ones is probably obviously Jimmy Mann and Paul Gardner. Um, you know what, it's funny, I went back and uh, I know I talked when I had uh, William on the show and we talked about Man and we obviously we talked about that incident and everything. But when you go back and look at it, it's true, Man actually really got fucked over in that whole thing. Yeah, I know it was a cheap shot and whatever, but um, Gardner started the whole thing by cross-check and smail. And that's pretty vicious cross-check and actually the fact that they didn't kick him out for it or even give him a penalty because he's like, he's still on the ice. And man just comes up beside him and just from out of nowhere hits him with that left and drops him and broke his jaw. And they always say Gardner was never the same. It's interesting, the clip I saw online, of, of, I mean, I've seen it, but like I said, I, it had been years since I had seen the incident. Um, Gardner actually, you see him getting up. It's not like he was lying out cold and they just pick him up with a spatula. He's getting up. He's standing up on his own after the punch, but he did have a broken jaw. And people say, you know, he wasn't the same after, but... Um, of course, man got charged with assault and it really rung up the flagpole for it. But, you know, basically he was just doing what an enforcer does at that time. I mean, you do it now. Yeah, he'd be, you know, they'd give him the electric chair now. But back then, you know, um, you know, like I said, that pretty much, you know, the, he was used as a scapegoat because there was, there was an incident, um, uh, who was the, there was another incident that sort of happened right after it that was really high profile and made it to the courts as well. It was a sticking incident, I believe. And, um, I've, I've seen the, the Crown Prosecutor at that time was really making a lot of noise about hockey violence. And, uh, and I think man kind of got used as a scapegoat. Um, you know, and, uh, but yeah, there, that's probably one, that's probably the most famous broken jaw punch that I could think of. But, um, Oh, and the other thing, actually, in my research, and I was just kind of briefly kind of going through it, um, there was always the talk that John Ferguson had broken Bobby Hall's jaw, and uh, which wasn't true, um, apparently. Um, it, it had been fractured before, and uh, actually, and Ferguson went after him with the, with, the, uh, with the fractured jaw. And I think it's that famous picture of Bobby Hall where he's bleeding all over and stuff. That was actually from a stick, from Ferguson's stick. Um, you know, um, so, but, uh, anyway, that's neither here nor there, but, uh, that was, it really wasn't much of a list. I was just kind of, uh, on, on, I was just joking with Tim about the, you know, well, it's, like I said, it's no joke that he broke his jaw again. In all seriousness, Tim, I, uh, 
I, I have always said thank you very much for listening. And seriously, I always appreciate the fact that you listen to the show all the time. And, and, um, you know, I'm honored by that, that you would, that you take your time out twice a week to listen. And, uh, you know, and I, unfortunately I was, you know, I was, I was, I was sad to hear that you got your job broken, but like I said, obviously you know, it was glass half full, right? You know, it could have been a lot worse. So, um, I'm glad you walked away from it with that's just, you know, what you got. That'll heal. So, uh, you know, um, good luck in your recovery. Uh, hopefully it's, uh, your bones heal quickly. But, uh, no, I, I, I had to do a, a broken jaw list for Tim. That really wasn't much of a list. I was just doing it for jokes. But, uh, um, although I did go down, like I said, the Jimmy, I went down a Jimmy manhole rabbit hole this afternoon. Jimmy rabbit. No. A G- Jesus. <coughs> Pardon me. A Jimmy man rabbit hole after that incident. But, um, man, I wish there was more footage of him. But I, I think man is on Facebook and, um, I'd like to, he'd be a good interview, I bet. If you'd want to talk about fights, that'd be interesting. Um, yes. Anyway, folks, how about we wrap it up for Sunday here? Well, that's not bad. Hour and 16 minutes. I'll get you out quick. Uh, it's not like the pen interview where we almost went three hours. Although you'd rather listen to the pen than me anyway. But, uh, I want to thank everybody again. I always do this and I, and, and I always say it, but it's very much sincerity that, um, again, I know there's hundreds and hundreds of a hockey podcasts out there to listen to. Or, well, thousands of podcasts in general to listen to. Um, I always say the fact that you take time out to listen to mine, I can't thank you enough. And um, I know I'm always asking, could you uh, download, don't stream, please? Helps me out. But uh, actually, if you could, whatever platform you listen to the show on, could you rate and review my show? Or rate it at the very least because it helps me in the searches. Um, as a, And like I always say, for any podcast that you listen to, if you could review it or rate it um, as a creator, that helps us out huge. So, uh, but thank you guys very much for listening again. Fourth Line Voice on Twitter and on Facebook. Yes, I know I talked about that minor league, minor, the minor league tournament that I'm going to get going. Yes, I will get it going. Um, I'm not going to say a date, but very quickly I will get it. I will get it rolling here, folks. But uh, other than that, I'm going to shut up and get out of here. I'm going to try to get a player interview done, if not tomorrow, on Monday. Hopefully it can it will work. Um, uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens for Wednesday for you. But nonetheless, regardless of what happens, I will be here Wednesday for you. But, uh, thank you guys very much for tuning in. And, uh, yeah. Thanks everybody. And we will uh, talk to you on Wednesday. Let's have a good work week. Start her off strong. Thanks guys. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?